to the Whatcom Dads Podcast, the podcast where we share our experiences to help both moms and dads navigate the ongoing juggling act of parenting. I'm Nathan Dwyer. I'm Eric Frazier, filling in this week for Chris Roselli. And I'm Mark Bagley. This week, we discuss how to parent with and not against your spouse or partner. We taste test three more Pacific Northwest beers, and Nathan makes us play overrated, underrated, properly rated. So here we are, episode 27, and we have another guest co-host. Welcome, Eric. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's great. So I know that you've been a longtime listener of the Welcome Dads podcast, and we've stuck you in the hot seat here. So thanks for agreeing to do that. Why don't you kick us off by telling our listeners a little bit about your family and how old your kids are? Yeah, so I have three kids. I have Keely. She is 13 in eighth grade. Uh, I've got Torin. He is in sixth grade as twelve year as a twelve year old, and Jens, our nine year old, in third grade. So, this is our last year with two kids in one school. Next year is three kids in three schools. Wow, that's going to be a challenge. And then two teenagers. And two teenagers. Wow, I remember those days. Good luck. Thanks. <laughs> we'll need it. We listen in a lot. Yeah. And if I recall, you are a lifelong Whatcom County resident. Uh, I am. I was born at St. Joseph's Hospital in Bellingham, Washington, many years ago. I did leave for six years to go to school and live in Seattle, but was happy to be able to return and raise a family. I loved growing up here. Uh, always had hoped to be able to return, but you never know when you leave what's going to happen. But very happy to be back and, and love living here. So for Welcome Dads Recommend this week, we are going to bring back the Northwest beer tasting. We've got three Northwest beers this week. Mark, why don't you tell us the first beer we're going to try during this first segment? So the first one is uh, from the Heater Allen Brewery out of McMinnville, Oregon. And this is a Kolsch-style ale. Interesting. Yeah. So we'll give it a taste here and uh, see what we think. It's definitely Kolschy. Definitely Kolschy, if mm-hmm. that's an adjective. It could be. You know, it, I'm, I've never been a Kolsch fan. I, it seems like I need a little bit more um, flavor in my beers. And this kind of reminds me, and this is a... I apologize to the Heater Allen people who probably work very, very hard to make a very fine beer. But this kind of reminds me of what my dad was drinking, you know, Budweiser back in the 70s. Hmm. Really? I think there's not, more to it than that. Not that I would know, because I, of course, wasn't drinking Budweiser back in the 70s. <laughs> <laughs> it says, at Heater Allen, we take no shortcuts in our beer, from using the best ingredients to giving our beers extended lagering time. We believe you can taste the difference. Well, Heater Allen, Mark can't because he thinks it's Budweiser. <laughs> I'm not a Kolsch guy, so I, I'm, just, I'm a poor judge of, uh, of the character of this beer. I don't think you're going to be disappointed with this, but I don't think you're. I don't think you're going to turn to this regularly. I think if, if this was at a party and somebody had it, you'd be like, "Yeah, that was good." Sure, but you're probably not going to go back to Elizabeth Station and buy another one. You're not going to drive to McMinnville to uh, get one. I will. <laughs> Unlikely. Well, we did shop local and get these at Elizabeth Station. To make it clear, none of these product reviews have been paid. We want to give you some honest feedback. That's right. 
Last week we talked about helicopter parents and your kids making mistakes and becoming self-reliant. I didn't mention last week a book that is helpful. It's called Raising Self-Reliant Children in a Self-Indulgent World. It's by uh, Dr. Jane Nelson, who we've talked about before, and Stephen Glenn. Um, Check that out. There's a link in the show notes, but another book that can kind of help with that same trying to develop a child who's not looking to their parents to mow down all obstacles in front of them. Yeah, and as I listened to the episode and reflected a little bit about um, the parenting of our kids, it's really, it, it makes you feel good as a parent when they get into their later teens, college years, early 20s, and they're not asking you to solve their problems, they're telling you how they solve their problems. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of nice to see that, um, the maturation of your children when they, you've given them the tools to figure it out on their own. And so, some of the things you said, said Nathan, last week I was kind of really pondering. And so um, it's, a, it, it's, a, it's a good place to be. Eric, what's your thoughts on trying to find the right balance between trying to make life easy for your kids, but also sort of allowing them to periodically fail and, and learn from that? Yeah, uh, I think one of the hardest things is just being comfortable and, and sort of willing to let your kids fail and watch them go through that. I think we all want to see our kids be successful at really everything that they that they set out to accomplish, but uh, you have to be kind of willing to do so. And um, I think just the idea of letting them fail when the consequences are low and grow from that and get used to the process uh, is really valuable. But not always easy to do. and You have to tailor it to each kid, too. I think mm-hmm. the word I used last week was intuition. You've just got to know, is this a big deal? I don't want them to fail, or this could be traumatic for them, or is this a small learning-type thing that they're really going to benefit from down the road? Eric, I wanted to check in with you. You heard our uh, Desert Island uh, thought experiment for the music, if you had to listen to a musician or only three musicians for all of eternity, uh, did we miss anyone? Did you say, how did they forget this artist or this band? Or were you content with some of the choices that us schmoes made? Yeah, no, I I am pretty pretty comfortable with anybody choosing what music they want to listen to. I don't think there should be any judgment in who chooses what to listen to and, and when and your choice is going to be different than my choice, but darn, that's your choice. And um... I'm going to give you a minute to give us someone you would take with you. But Mark, you listened back. Did you have any regrets? Because you had to really come up on the spot and choose those. I did. Um, no regrets, but I just um, I'm fresh off a very long road trip that I took last week, and I was thinking about some other artists that could possibly make the list. Uh, people like Bruce Springsteen, uh, the Eagles, Elton John. Those are, I think, bands and artists that have stood the test of time and spanned uh, more than three decades with their music, and I think those could very easily have made the list as well. Hmm. I made a list of three more. You knocked off two of them, The Boss uh-huh. and Elton John. Uh-huh. The third one I put on there was Queen. Oh, yeah. Jeez. Certainly a, a catalog there, and especially when that movie came out a few years ago, that got me reinvigorated on the uh, Queen musical library. Yeah, that's a really, really good one, too. So now to put you on the spot, <laughs> who, who's your go-to that hasn't been mentioned, put them on your iPod shuffle, and listen to for all of eternity? 
Well, all all of eternity. Um, there's 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 pressure there. I think you gotta you gotta bring a mix, right? You've gotta have uh, different music for different different times. Um, boy, yeah, I have. You didn't give me any time to think about this, and so this is really off the cuff. Um, I would quick. go. Just uh, give us one. I'm a huge. You know, I'm a child of the 90s, and the gr- grunge was right up my alley. But interestingly enough, sort of the pillars of grunge don't make my list. Um, I would bring the Smashing Pumpkins. Hmm. Uh, for some reason, that, that resonates with me still. My kids, some love, some hate. <laughs> uh, but they all listen because sometimes I get control of the radio. Your life can change in an instant. Car accidents impact all aspects of your life and lead to pain and suffering, medical bills, and time missed from work. Robinson & Cole, attorneys in Bellingham, can help. They have represented thousands of clients since 1979. They also handle other types of injury claims, including workers' compensation. Consultations are always free and are available in Spanish. Robinson & Cole, when you need us, we will be here. Another thing I wanted to mention to listeners, we've talked about hikes and things to do with kids. Uh, a couple weeks ago, we did go over to Lummy Island, quick uh, six or seven minute ferry ride away, I think $20.50 round trip. But there are two nature preserves there that we got to explore. And I don't know that I'll call them hikes, especially with kids the same age as mine. Um, Maybe a nature walk is a better description, but there's the auto preserve and the curry preserve, walking trails and views and uh, all sorts of neat things. So anybody in Whatcom County, if you're just looking for a uh, Saturday or a Sunday to go do something in the outdoors, I'm going to recommend head over to Lummi Island. And then obviously the beaches there are fantastic. Uh, I think it's just called the Church Beach that's behind the Congregational Church there. Great spot. And then also Sunset Beach, self-explanatory, great sunsets there. And it's so close, but it, it really does feel like you're in a completely different area mm-hmm. when you're over there. Just there's something about having to take a ferry that really sets it apart. So. Yeah, and little kids love the boat ride, even though, what is it, 30 cars on at a time? It's it's not very big. So we'll put a link to the ferry schedule and those uh, nature preserves in the show notes. We're going to continue our Whatcom Dads Recommend tour of Northwest Beers. Next up we have from San Juan Brewing on the San Juan Islands. Their Bavarian Hef. And uh, let's see what their description says. This traditional German-style Hefeweizen delivers a heady aroma of clove and spice, followed by subdued notes of banana. The soft, silky texture rounds out a beer experience you won't soon forget. Get hooked on San Juan Hefeweizen. I I like experiment better than experience there. I think you had it right the first time. Anything with banana in it, that's definitely an experiment. Didn't you go on a sailboat beer Nathan, thing? Nathan, I was just going to mention that, that when we took the schooner Zodiac for the Northwest Beer Tour, we went to this brewery on San Juan Island. Did you have banana beer that? I did not have banana beer, but we had a lot of beer that weekend, and it was amazing. And you said there's banana, hints of banana. I'll read it again. Because I'm... you can smell... Oh, you can smell it. There's a smell of banana. Oh, yeah. And... As a Hefeweizen, I believe, aren't you meant to put a 
fruit in your Hefeweizen? Are we meant to be putting banana directly into this? They've just short-circuited the system and done it for you. There's no need to, like, cut up your own orange. Well, thank you, San Juan Brewing, for saving me a trip to the grocery store. Oh, wow. What was the first one we had? The first one we had was... The heater, whatever? Kolsch. The Kolsch is... I mean, you heard what I said about the Kolsch. So much better than this one. Sorry, San Juan. I think I'm in the minority here, but that's all right. I don't know what I think yet. I think this one has more character, for sure, than the previous one. I'm, I'm sticking I, by my experiment word. I think anytime you start jamming banana in beer, you're running the <laughs> risk that you're you're pushing up against a barrier that other people don't want to cross. <laughs> If I had not read it, would you still be able to tell me there was banana in it? It smelled like a banana. Yeah, it may have taken me a little bit, but I think I would have gotten there. I don't mind it, though. I've had much better Hefeweizens. If you just handed this to me blindly, I'm not sure I would say this was a Hefeweizen. Yeah, I wouldn't either. I think I prefer this to to the previous one. And maybe it's because, to me, it does have just more character. There's more to this one. Yeah, I'm, it's, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm missing that. I... I I don't. I'm not loving it. Yeah, you that. set that down pretty quick. Yeah. Well, we'll continue to sample this as we uh, continue our discussion tonight, and uh, <laughs> two out of three of us will continue to sample it anyway. <laughs> so I took my son to the barber for the first time last week. His first haircut ever? No, he'd had haircuts at what I would call more of a chain place, but this was an actual barbershop visit. Wow. And since the pandemic hit, he hadn't had his hair professionally cut. I had done it a couple times uh, with Amanda's help, and it was getting long and shaggy, and he's a hair twirler, and so it was kind of getting out of control. So it was time to go, felt good enough with vaccinations and such, so took him to the barber, he had a good time, he got spun around in the chair a couple times, and but it got me thinking about sort of rites of passage of being a mm. child. And do parents sometimes put more value on these rites of passage than the child actually does? So we might think it's a really big deal to go to the barbershop. But when I ask him five years from now, he's going to be like, what do you mean we went to the barbershop? So I was thinking rites of passage from our perspective growing up, that these things that our parents maybe cared a lot about, did they end up being overrated underrated or properly rated so if we'll start off with sleepovers as a child sleepovers overrated underrated properly rated i didn't do a lot of sleepovers as a kid uh and so maybe i built them up bigger because they didn't happen very as often um and so i guess i'd go overrated overrated mark I love sleepovers. They were a big deal. And so I would say they're underrated. Yeah, I'm thinking underrated too. And I think back to maybe my one friend who I had the most frequent sleepovers with. He had all the cool toys. And we're talking like all the cool toys. And they had the cool cereals. They had toaster strudels for breakfast. And so mm. there was like this whole world of things that made it so different than my house. I'm going to say sleepovers underrated in my experience. Okay. Getting your driver's license. As a 16-year-old here in Washington, I don't know what the rule was back in the dark ages for you, Mark, but uh, <laughs> was that overrated, underrated, or properly rated? For me, getting the license was overrated. 
So my birthday is in April, and I did not even think about getting my license until December. It just wasn't a big deal. I I was really pumped to get my license, so I would say underrated. I also didn't get it right when I turned 16 because I didn't have a vehicle to drive right when I turned 16, but sh- um, shortly thereafter, once I had a vehicle, it was it was wonderful. And being able to drive around at that time, you could you get your license and it's no holds barred. It's yeah. as friends many friends as you yeah. can yeah. put in the car. And, and so then I was, I'm a, you know, a little bit, my birthday's in December. So I, I tended, I turned 16 a bit before many of my friends. And so then I was driving kids to school and it was just fun to, to do that. And it was great. I loved it. The freedom that it brought was all in on that. Yeah, I think for me it was properly rated. Uh, I started school on the East Coast and then moved out to the West Coast, and the deadlines for starting school were a little bit different. So when I ended up in school here, I was the youngest in my class, so I was sort of the last to get my license. So by that point, I had friends who would drive me around. All right, last milestone or rite of passage we're going to talk about is the prom. Overrated, underrated, properly rated. Totally, 100% overrated. Coming from the guy who didn't go to his prom. (laughs) That would be, that would be, now, did you go to an all-boys school? I went to an all-boys school, so, uh, yeah, you had to ask the girls from the sister school to go, and I didn't want to talk to a girl, so I decided just to stay home. How about when your kids went to theirs as a parent? How would you Hmm. reflect on that experience? Uh, Well, probably overrated but in a different way just because all the time and energy and money and planning that goes into it what a production ridiculous if you ask me yeah it's like a weeks or not months long process and the build-up to it is probably more fun than the actual dance itself or right i don't know if they still have after parties i don't know if that's a thing coming from a guy who i don't think was invited to any after parties at his (laughs) problem But I, they I most would, likely didn't have them when you were there. Yeah, it was, you didn't I'll, miss out. That's what I'll tell myself. Uh, I'll say properly rated. You know, it was a thing. You got to dress up. There was some, uh, you know, build up to it. I would also say properly rated, but I agree that it's ridiculous. Um, it is a whole lot of effort for really not a lot of return. But I think there's a lot of value in the process as a high schooler in negotiating, you know, the the terms of the date, if you will, or take, getting up the courage to ask somebody if you haven't already, and then trying to get together, coordinate with friends what you're going to do, and, and the stress level, and you're buying a flower for the first time. I just think there's value in all of those elements that kind of set you up for future opportunities as you grow up and age. And um, even if the actual dance itself probably doesn't live up to the hype, I think the life experience is, is valuable. So I'll go properly rated. Yeah, you're adulting a little bit, even little though bit. you're still probably uh, relying on your parents for much of the guidance. All right, we're up to our final beer of the night. Uh, Eric, tell us what we're sampling now. Okay, so we've got the Holy Mountain Second Death Hell Style Lager, and Holy Mountain is out of Seattle, Washington. Uh, there is no description on this can other than the government warning. So, do they just beware? assume you know what hell is and that you can make your own uh, 
<laughs> well, they might assume you know what hell is, but I'm not sure I know what a hell-style lager is. So hell in a can, so to speak. But it's second death and hell. Yeah. So be nice knowing you guys. Loyal <laughs> listeners, this may be the last episode. Be the last episode of the Welcome Dads podcast. I like this one the best. I mean, that's not saying a lot, but I do like this one the best. Yeah, I, I feel again more similar to the first one that we tried. It is where yeah. you know there's not there's not a lot that you're either going to like or dislike in this. Mm-hmm. I think it's pretty pretty mellow. I'm maybe a little disappointed after the. After the big write-up after on the, the can. <laughs> after the big build-up of the name. Yeah, there's not a lot of death about this. Not a lot of death or depth? Death or hell. I think it's good. I think the fortunate thing is, for the listeners, is that you guys will be back next week. So. That's right. We didn't We didn't die. Right. It's good. Parenting topic this week. How to parent with and not against your spouse or partner. I think this is probably something that's lost in a lot of parenting discussions is that it takes a team and how do you play as a team and how do you play in the same direction as a team? And maybe the harder part is what happens when you or your spouse disagree. You know, Annette and I, we dated for a long time and then we were married for, I think, five years before we had our first child. So we had a lot of time to talk about what we, how we wanted to parent, what our philosophies were. We knew each other really, really well. And so I don't remember having any kind of serious conflicts. I'm sure if you ask Annette, she will have a different answer. But I think we just kind of knew where we were and how we managed these issues. And so it just seemed to work. But I also know that we did some give and take. Sometimes she let me quote unquote win and other times I let her quote unquote win because you just you just can't have it one way all the time. There has to be that give and take because Nathan, you said it, it's a partnership. It's it's two people. Luckily, I only had two kids. Both of you have three kids, so you are both outnumbered. Um, and so in those situations, you've got to be on the same page. Yeah, that's. Uh, I I appreciate you having me on the week after you. We're very clear that uh, we're not experts on here, and um, hopefully uh, able to share where things work and where things don't. And um, because I think this is one of those elements that I think is has been a has been a challenge. Um, in you know, kind of full disclosure here is, um, I think it's tough to be on the same page all the time and consistently. And I know with M and I. Um, the times where we're creating space to communicate outside of the time where we're with the kids or managing the kids, um, whether that be in the mornings or at, in the evenings, or if the kids are off doing something and having, having a moment, those are the times where certainly we're more on the same page and, and able to have those discussions. Um, I think it's it's the times where we find ourselves running from thing to thing and managing and transporting and um, and kind of getting burnt out by the the challenge of the day of of really just sort of managing the schedule and getting the kids through all their school and um, activities and such. Where um, where at the end of the day, where we don't then come back to connect and talk through things, those are the times where um, we have more challenges and it, it's it's harder to be on the same page. And um, I think that has been made more difficult this year. Um, 
And uh, so, yeah, I'm I'm here to listen to you guys. <laughs> I I, I want to learn. So. Yeah, my wife really likes the team analogy, and so at times when I'm not my best, she sort of brings it back there. And the thing that I think I fail to do a lot is to communicate and to communicate directly and sort of honestly what I'm thinking about something. And you know, there's often a time where I'm just trying to pull in one direction and she might say listen if you were on a team you'd want to tell your team that this is your strategy and if you do your strategy on your own you're probably not going to do very well i'm a bad communicator i would often do that exact same thing nathan i would just keep it to myself and just think well i'm just gonna go for it and not tell her and i sure that led to many many frustrating times for her Fortunately, she's extremely patient, and she's a good mind reader, <laughs> and she just could see when I was getting going in a direction or getting ready to do something and either pull me out of it or just kind of let it go and knowing everything was hopefully going to be okay at the end. And also, you know, when you're parenting also, you got to pick your battles with your spouse. You got to pick your battles with your kids. You got to pick your battles with your coworkers, with your friends. And Sometimes if your spouse is doing something that is irritating to you, sometimes you just got to let it go. And if it's over and over and over again, you got to address it ultimately. But you just sometimes can't get hung up on the little things. Yeah, I kind of liken it to each parent sometimes has their non-negotiables. And as long as you've gotten those out there early and often, then if there are the things that sort of fall in between, I often say, like, I don't really have an opinion on that. Right. And... Sometimes that's hard for me to do is just to, you know, give up. Like, I don't, I'm not going to have any input on that situation if that's okay with you. I'm going to give you full reign. I think the trick is sometimes I've been caught up later in the like, ooh, you made that decision. And so my wife will say, wait a minute, you can't like advocate (laughs) responsibility in that arena. And then when something goes wrong, you say, oh, why'd you do that? It's Monday morning quarterbacking, right? Exactly. And the benefit of hindsight, right? Right. So I've had to sort of, slow my roll on those things as well. Um, but yeah, it's, you know, it, if there is a non-negotiable and you make it clear that like, I feel really strongly about this, if your spouse or partner's on the fence, they might say, okay, well, let's, let's try your way. But if it's one of those things that, like you said, Mark, um, if it doesn't really matter that much, or you just want to give and take, like, you know, they fall into all these different categories. What am I going to really fight for? And what am I going to just, you know, not care so much about? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and what I hear in that too, though, is sort of an active process of what are the non-negotiables and what are those things where I'm giving, you know, giving my spouse the the kind of full authority over that decision. Authority might not be the right word, but sort of for autonom full autonomy for that decision. Um, but there needs to be that communication around those things um, so that it's not just, you know, abdicating all responsibility um, and just there's clear, clear understanding of, of when, when that's being passed. And when you are sort of picking your battles and sort of hashing this out, the thing you have to keep in mind is you have to do this outside of the presence of your kids because they pay attention to that. Um, And so, um, you know, Take time to reflect. You don't have to solve every parenting issue on that evening that you happen to bring it up and talk it over, but really making sure that like you do it in a private space and the kids aren't you know listening in to you guys negotiating their future or you know, <laughs> how you want to how you want to parent. 
Yeah, and, and just think about the kids. If you know, if the parenting styles are so different, the yo-yo those kids are on. I mean, not mm. knowing what's going to happen when and who's going to be doing what and just that unknown. So they've got to have that cons- some some sort of consistency. I mean, there can always be you know, aberrations here and there, but as long as there's some consistency, because ultimately we're doing this for the betterment of our kids, yeah. right? Yeah. we got to keep that ultimate goal in mind that we need to be giving them that, uh, that solid foundation and um, kind of that, that, that bedrock of support that they, that they need to be able to grow and thrive and, and you know, mature into adults. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that, you know, each parent is going to have certain strengths and certain things that they're, they're not quite as good at. But I think it's really valuable to have the parents each, each fill sort of those core roles with their kids over time, right? So it's not just one parent is the authoritarian and the other parent is the fun. Like both parents need to have those times where they're setting boundaries mm-hmm. and following up on that. And both parents need to have those times where they're having fun and, and playing with the kids and, and they're the ones that are, in, you know, making sure that bedtime is happening right. or they're making sure that they're they're out playing with the kids and, and yep. whatever the spectrum is. I did a little research in this uh, reference that I got. talks about some of the things that make parenting as a team more difficult. Uh, undermining your spouse or yeah. partner is sort of really detrimental, but I think sometimes it's unintentional. I know that sometimes my wife will be in the process of redirecting or doing something with a kid, and then I come around the corner, and I'm not privy to what was going on previous, and I just get asked what I think is an off-the-cuff thing from a kid, and I respond one way, and then I get this like shoulder shrug, like, I spent 10 minutes trying to fix this, and <laughs> Wrong you, answer. you swoop in here and completely undermine me. So I try and do a better job of saying, like, have you talked to your mother about this? Um, let me give me a second, and I've learned that you don't have to answer your kids right away. It's okay to say, "Let me get back to you on that," and then you can pull her aside and say, "Hey, what's going on here?" Um, so yeah, but I think it's unintentional for the most part. But I think if you're doing it purposefully, you're really going to have a problem. And as the kids get older, and I don't know if you're seeing this yet, Eric, with you know your teenager and preteen, but the kids get really good at asking the right questions to try to divide mom and dad. Yeah. <laughs> They, and they, as they get older and more observant, you know, they know tendencies. And, right. Um, and I don't, I wouldn't say that the kids are trying to play one off the other, but what, you know, they're looking out for their interest and they're trying to figure out how can I get my interest, interest or my need met here. And sometimes that's asking the same question of, of two parents <laughs> yes. to see if they get the right answer from one, if they didn't get it from the other. That's right. One of the other things identified as making parenting as a team difficult is sort of acting impulsively when there's something going on with a kid, but then you're not going to be around to deal with it later. So like the classic example would be like, uh, my wife's away. I tell my three-year-old, oh, you don't need a nap today. You're doing fine. And then she gets home and I go off to hang out with my friends and she's the one who has to incur the wrath of the three-year-old who didn't have a nap. Similarly, like I've talked in the past on the podcast about imposing consequences that actually punish my wife more than my kids because <laughs> she was looking more to more forward to the activity than they were. So uh, yeah, acting impulsively can be tricky. <laughs> Sorry, dear. Need to go record a podcast. <laughs> <laughs>
All right, let's change gears a little bit and talk about how we can best support our uh, spouses mm. or partners. And this can take several different forms. Um, I know that my wife is an introvert, so she gets uh, recharged by having alone time. And when you have a seven-year-old, a five-year-old, and a three-year-old, uh, you don't get a lot of alone time. So every couple of weeks we try and schedule, even if she just goes and gets herself a coffee and reads a book, I know that that can help recharge her and give her more energy. It's difficult because I'm an extrovert, and so I'd rather hang out with my friends to get recharged. But just sort of knowing your spouse and what will help them get a break, recenter, and just sort of asking them what they need. And you know, maybe from time to time they tell you, hey, I need three hours. Um, but I think just that alone time is really, really important. Agreed. And um, we value and love family vacations, but Annette and I are huge proponents of individual vacations for mom and dad. Hmm. Um, her spending time with her girlfriends overnight or for a weekend, me hanging out with my buddies, going somewhere. That has helped us a lot, not only give us a break from the kids, but also from each other. And sometimes that's important. And it's also pretty special time when it's just one parent with the kids. Mm -hmm. You can, you know, order the pizza and watch the movie and maybe not do the dishes that night if mom or dad isn't home. <laughs> um, and those are kind of great memories. And so we really did a lot of that. Um, and it, Work for us. It doesn't work for everyone, but it really worked for us. How how do you, with your spouse, in the busy midst of running taxi service to events and games and plays and music lessons and all that, how do you still have time for you and your spouse without it being at the expense of the kids? How, I guess to say it another way, how do you prevent just becoming a roommate for five, ten years or however long that period lasts? Yeah, that's hard. I don't know. Um, <laughs> there was an old Hanna-Barbera cartoon, and it was these sheepdogs who would watch over the sheep, and one would walk in and clock in, the other would clock out and walk out, and it was like, hey, Harry, hey, John, and they would pass, and it was, it was and so Annette and our, my joke was, we were the sheepdogs mm. watching over the sheep, and it's 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 a reality and it's hard it's really we we did not have a dedicated date night like a lot of people do we did not do a good job with that i did not do a good job with that you know we just when the kids went to bed just tried to you know watch a movie have a glass of wine watch a tv show talk just something an hour a night just to try to be with each other. And mm -hmm. I don't know if we did a good job or not. We made it. <laughs> but um, I'm I'm sure I could have done a lot better and been a lot more conscientious. But when you're in the thick of it, it's really, really hard. And you have to be so intentional. And I was not intentional. I, I think it's that intentionality. I think that is, that's the key to it. And it, it just, like you said, Mark, it's so hard to do. And there's always something else that is going to creep in if you're not intentional about it. And, um, Em and I, you know, we've had some, some periods where we were really great about it, about setting aside night and, and time. And, and the kids either had 
concurring activities where while they were doing those activities, we would go and we'd grab dinner together and we would, it would be our space to kind of talk about these, you know, whatever was going on. But so quickly those schedules don't align. And the next thing you know, it's nine 30, but the kids are finally in bed and neither one of us is particularly intentional at that point because we're <laughs> right. both so exhausted. And, um, and so, yeah, I, I, I don't have a lot of advice other than you have to be intentional about it and you have to make it a priority because so quickly you will do just that. You'll be co-managers of a, of a family household and um, not connecting at the level that you really should be with your spouse. The other thing I'll say is, you know, we've done a couple of marriage workshops, marriage seminar type things, and man, is that really an investment in something really important? And I don't know that 10 years ago, I would have been the guy like on the road selling the praises of marriage seminars and workshops. <laughs> but even if you take away some vocabulary that you can both understand so that when you do disagree or you do have a difficult time, you can both know what you're talking about, it's it's really been worth it for us. And, uh, you know, as far as resources or books, I'm a big fan of the work of the Gottmans at the University of Washington, John and Julie Gottman. Um, their book, Seven Principles for Making Marriage Work, um, I think it's good stuff. They've done decades of research with couples. And so if anybody's looking for just a you know fairly quick read, we'll put the link to that in the show notes. Yeah, the term that really helped us um, with the marriage, uh, it's a two-word term, Cabernet Sauvignon. <laughs> <laughs> Is uh, does it have banana in it? <laughs> None of it's at Mark's house. <laughs> well, hopefully this has been a useful discussion for listeners. I'm going to close with some general tips I found in one of the resources about parenting together as a team. It said, set aside a regular time to discuss what's been going on and to plan strategies for the upcoming week. Sort of sounds like a family meeting for spouses. Love I, family meetings. Mark is not Huge a fan of family, family meetings. <laughs> Uh, if one of you wants to try a new approach, ask your spouse or partner for their support at a minimum not to interfere with it for a period of time. So you can maybe just take a trial run if you're doing something new. Uh, avoid evading responsibility when a problem arises. Deal with issues as they occur. Don't interfere or undermine in a situation where the other person is handling it. And uh, again, resolve your differences of opinion in private and not in front of your children. Our thanks to Eric Frazier for filling in this week. Also, thanks to our sponsor, Robinson & Cole Attorneys. There is a link to their website in the show notes. Reach out to the show with feedback, comments, or suggestions through either the Whatcom Dads Facebook page or our email address, Podcast at gmail.com. Make sure to subscribe to our show and rate us in your favorite podcast app. New episodes will then magically appear on your device every Friday morning. My coworker always laughed at my jokes, but since the pandemic, he never laughs at them on Zoom. I asked why, and he said, because your jokes aren't remotely funny. Oh, oh boy. Oh, wow. Timely. Well done. <laughs> That's good. So three vampires walk into a bar, and the first one says, I'll have a pint of blood. The second one says, I'll have a pint of blood. And the third one says... I'll have a pint of plasma. And the bartender says, Ah, so two bloods and one blood light. <laughs> well done. <laughs> Fits tonight. <laughs>
So, uh, what did the pirate say the year after he turned 79? What? I'm matey. 